It is a very cold and rainy Thursday up here in New York. The Masters teed off after about a three-hour rain delay, which my guest today knows a lot about rain delays from the field he works in. But before I get down to the fun part of the episode, we got to take care of the business, you know, where you can find this amazing podcast, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you can find a podcast, this podcast is going to be there. Today, I have a guest from the wonderful world of NASCAR, which I got into this year during the height of the pandemic because I am a sports person. And if there are sports on, I am going to watch said sports. It was a very, very engaging NASCAR season because for the first three months after the COVID pause, it was just NASCAR and golf for a while there. And I really got into it. And I'm not going to lie to you out there. I was bringing my phone to my friend's house to watch Red Zone to watch the race the last few weeks during the playoffs because I wanted to see what happened. I got emotionally invested. I'm recording this episode wearing a Chase Elliott Napa hat. I, I'm I'm in on NASCAR. I'm looking forward to the Daytona 500 this break. I will see you guys with my guest on the other side of the drop. Dale Earnhardt Jr. brings him to the flag. Checkered flag waving. It's over. It's over. Good job, June Bug! And with that, I welcome on someone who is in the world of NASCAR and can offer a unique perspective of what it's like to be a fan while also working on within that world. So I welcome on DeAndre Graves. How Damn. are you doing today, bud? How's it going? It's going pretty good. Me, um, I got a day off in this um after this hectic last stretch of the NASCAR season, so I'm embracing that and getting ready to go on a short vacation before I recharge my batteries for Daytona. So I'm just gonna jump right into it. Is NASCAR a thing where you're from? Is it something you got into on your own? How did you get into it? Because I'm gonna get into how I got into it in a minute, but by all, let the people know. Well, I was lucky enough. Um, I grew up in the racing capital of the world, Indianapolis, Indiana. So, I mean, being I grew up about 15 minutes away from Indianapolis Motor Speedway, um, it was easy for me to be a fan. But even before that, um, uh, there's stories of my mom and my grandparents talking about me. I was able to name cars at the age of two. So I think cars have always been a fascination of mine. And then... Um, just being a toddler and being younger, um, whenever a car was on TV, I wanted to know what was going on. So um, I guess one day they had NASCAR on or it came on after um, whatever sporting event was on and I was stuck. And so from about the age of three or four, three or four to today, um, my weekly routine has been watching NASCAR. I know other people watch NFL and NBA. Like I love that just as much as anybody else, but um Races on Saturday and Sunday take priority over all of that to me. So when I was a kid, I really got into it a lot as a kid because the video games were so fun. The sprint for the cup games on the GameCube and the PS2, those games where you would start out in the modified open wheel series, you go through the trucks, and then back then it was the Bush series, and then the Sprint Cup series, what it was back then. I remember the video game being really fun and that's how I got into it as a kid. And I've always kind of been a casual observer where if nothing else is on, sure, I'll throw it on. But now that I've got skin in the game, I'm invested. I really enjoy it. Were you a video game guy with them or? Uh, I could go check in my closet right now. <laughs> um, every PlayStation 2 NASCAR game that was released, Dirt to Daytona. All oh, the yeah. games, um, the NASCAR, the later nascar heats that came out on the xbox 360 you know I, I i have probably every nascar games has been released in the last probably 10 to 12 years so i mean i played all of those um and then when they start adding the nascar um licensing to other games i would buy those just to run the nascars and see how they ran differently compared to the regular game so i mean i know that's a, our generation i would say um is known as the video game slash cars generation because a lot of fans came in because our 
our generation because of playing the games or either seeing a car as the movie. Yeah. I got into the sport. So I'm definitely um, could identify with playing those games and being familiar with um, how they kind of mixed in the pop culture, I would say. Yeah. Accessibility is one of those things that helps a lot. I don't know if you're a soccer guy, but I know FIFA helped a lot of people get into soccer. And it's the same principle here with these games, because I like racing games, but there's something a little more fun about, you know, having to work your way up the ladder from the open wheel all the way up. But opening it up a little more now, it was a very, very interesting year for NASCAR because they had a bigger spotlight because they were one of the two things going on for a while there. I remember that Tuesday or Wednesday night, that first race back after the COVID pause, one of my friends texted me and she went, are you really going to sit down and watch this entire race? I go, it's sports. Why wouldn't you want to watch this? This is going to be very fun. And it was very fun. I enjoyed it. It slowly, all the little things I remembered from a kid slowly started coming back to me. That's how I ended up picking it. Chase as my guy is I went through the Wikipedia hole. I was like, Oh, he drove Jeff Gordon's 24. I liked Jeff Gordon's car when I was a kid. So I guess Chase is my guy for now. And it was an eventful season. I got to ask you, what stands out from this season overall? I'm not asking you to pick a specific memory, but a few things that stood out because there was an extra focus on NASCAR this year. Um, I just, well, because of, we'll get to the other stuff, but I had an interesting perspective because I was on the outside looking in at one point of the season and then I was on the inside. So I think from the outside, just um, how other people viewed the sport, like um, up until um, up until COVID hit, because people just saw NASCAR just what it was, left turns. And then I feel like um, once the spotlight was on, there were celebrities watching. I, I remember Alvin Kamara talking about the sport. Um, Bernard Pollard's been getting really involved. There's been a whole lot of eyes that otherwise wouldn't be on the sport that have been seeing it. So it's been interesting to just see what everybody's perspective is before and then after, like, watching the race and taking it all in and seeing, like, what the sport is about from the inside and not just from what other people are saying. So I think that's my biggest takeaway on that outside on the inside I think the biggest takeaway is we got a season in and we missed eight weeks and I came in on the latter end of that and there were double headers that we ran there were weeknights that we ran we ran a race on a Wednesday night because of a rain delay because we had another playoff race on a Sunday like there was all types of chaos that otherwise wouldn't happen that somehow we worked through and got a whole season through where other sports have struggled with COVID infections and all types of scheduling delays and just not agreeing on when they want to play and where they want to play. Somehow, some way, we all were on one accord and got the season in. Yeah, I mean, I've gotten into it and been reading a lot about it. And just the logistics that go into putting a race together are pretty insane. Just how much the crews have to do between races where – that rain delay where they didn't run Texas until Wednesday. They had to get the crews to uh, – why am I drawing a blank? Why am I drawing a Char- – not Charlottesville. Not Charlottesville. What am I drawing a blank? I'm being a terrible host. Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, get the crews to Charlotte that week for the Roval. And it's just – it's so hard to explain to people who aren't into it. Like, they finished that race on Wednesday, and they had to drive halfway across the country in two and a half days to get everyone ready to go to run a race to try and keep going in the playoffs. And I don't know if we'll get into the playoff format at all in this discussion, but I like it. The It does force competition artificially, but I like that. I like that every single race matters. I like that it came down to the last race at Phoenix, personally. I enjoyed the fact that Chase was able to drive his way into the championship four and then win the last race. But... Aside from the crazy logistics of it, the fun of it, what gets, what do you like the most about racing? When you sit down to watch a race, you're not working. You're just, what are you looking for when you're watching a race? Um, the strategy is a chess match at 200 miles an hour. Because um, while having the fastest car wins you a lot of races, there's races that come down to fuel strategy, tires, adjustments how much tape you put on the grill 
Um, if you're going to stay out, if you're going to pit, like there are so many variables that go into racing. Um, you got teammates near you. Who's going to help you? Are you going to get a, a certain tracks? Are you going to get a draft? What line are you going to take on restarts? There's so many variables that go into racing where like basketball is like set a screen and make a shot or um, football, pass the ball, you run the ball. It's very black and white. We're racing. There are so many things to get like determine the outcome of the race besides just having a fast car and turning left that it intrigues me and it grabs my attention. So I'm like, if I was that guy, I would take the tires or if I was that guy, I would try and stretch my fuel. So I think the strategy thing has always grabbed my attention because it's a, you're testing your wit along with putting your life on the line. It's, as a baseball guy, that's kind of what really pulled me back in this time around more so than when I was a kid was that now that I can actually understand the strategies and try and do the pencil and paper math and be like, how many laps of fuel we have left? How long can these tires go? Should we stay out? Should we roll the dice and hope for a caution and come down late? Should we pit under green and hope we can cycle through the field? I think that stuff is fascinating as hell. I trying to put myself in the position of a crew chief and a driver. And that's one of the funny things when you listen to the chatter, because if you subscribe, it's like $5 on the NASCAR app. You can get the crew chief chatter where you can listen in on the radio. It was a good $5. I got a lot of investment out of it, but just hearing them go back and forth. You think we should come down? I don't know. You're the crew chief. What do you mean? You don't know. It's, it's really fascinating. It's the, it's the human drama. And then the competition on top of the human drama, because there are some weeks where the best car doesn't win. And that's, those are the weeks that are exciting when weird things happen. Like, I'm trying to think what one specifically stands out. There were a few ones. Like when Austin Dillon won in the first round of the playoffs, that one kind of came out of nowhere where everyone was kind of expecting. He's here. He probably won't get through the round of 16, but he won that first race and they ended up going through. Or the last race of the regular season when William Byron won the last race of the season. It's one of those things where the best car doesn't always win and the strategy is really exciting. I mean, that last race of the regular season at Daytona was insane where it came down to that last stage and there were five guys up front who all needed to win to get into the playoff. And then there were the two big wrecks and that was it. Yeah. I mean, even a couple of weeks ago at Texas, Kyle Busch, I, I would say he had a fast car, but he didn't have the fastest car. Yeah. And he stretched fuel for 45, 50 laps, where a fuel run was about 40 laps. And he pulled out a win that he desperately wanted and needed that otherwise probably wouldn't have came if he would have just ran the race in a normal strategy. So um, it's interesting to hear those guys make those calls where they're like, there's a car five seconds back. I need you to save me some fuel. And so then you look at his telemetry and he's running 75, 80% throttle instead of running full out because he's trying to save as much gas as he can while also maintaining a lead. So you're looking at how much throttle he's running, what the gap is to the second place car, how many laps it is left. And you're doing the math like, well, if he's gaining this much time per lap, he's going to catch him with this many laps to go, or he's going to catch him with coming to the white flag, or he's going to end up running out of gas with two to go. Like there's so much math and strategy that goes into it that I feel like that just, um, it just grabs my attention and it's entertaining I feel like, like you said, the scanner, um, even before I was working for NASCAR, the scanner was something that I used every Sunday. Um, I would pick, I always pick three drivers um, that I want to hear. Usually one guy that's entertaining, like a Boyer or a Bubba or somebody else that's fun on the radio that gets emotional. And I pick a front runner like Kevin Harvick. And um, I pick somebody around the middle of the pack that's usually like running for points so I can hear their perspective. And it's always just entertaining to see their different perspectives on how they run their races. Because Kevin Harvick's going for a win while a guy like Bubba Wallace is trying to get as many points as he can because he, he's trying to, like, scrap a bottom 16 playoff position. Or a guy like William Byron's grabbing stage points because he's trying to clinch his playoff position. They're all running races within the race. And even though they're all wanting to win, they're trying to, they have different things they're trying to accomplish during the race for the bigger picture. That's one of the things that I find very interesting is that in racing in general, not all of the teams are on an even level where, yeah, they all have access to the same equipment, but every team does things a little differently with the way they set up their car and stuff like that, where they all, 
we saw it during the course of the season where different teams had better runs at different points in the season where the Fords were really strong for a long stretch after they first came back from COVID. Late in the season, the Chevys came back in the playoffs where I think I was reading something in The Athletic the other day that the Hendrick guys were talking to the guys at Childress Racing about the setups they gave Austin at one point. And that really helped them set up the Hendrick cars for the playoffs and really helped chase down here at the end of the season. It's, there's just so many moving parts and the human element is so interesting where I wish I could listen into the sideline at a football game of the head coach and the quarterback being like, what should we do here? You can do that with NASCAR and it's very accessible. Everyone, pretty much everyone has a smartphone and you can download the app and you can get in on it and you can see what goes into making a race happen. It's a lot more than just left turns. This is what I get into the argument with my friends every week. They're watching football and I'm glancing down at my phone every 20, 30 seconds. They're like, you really watching them go left for three hours? Yes, I am. Mind your business. It's very entertaining. Yeah, I mean, it's plenty of times where I'm watching a race and I'll look away for five, ten minutes and a guy that's been dominating has a flat tire or he um he um ends up speeding on pit road or he crashes is anything you look away for a second and the whole dynamic of the race has changed where um football still pays a run of play and then you got to wait 40 seconds for another play yeah like there's constantly something happening even if, even in the races where they might just run in line and there's a dominant car well the battle for 12th is heating up they're they're going swapping positions every lap there's always something happening on the racetrack where there's other sports where there's pauses baseball a guy throws a pitch, and he waits two minutes before he throws a <laughs> pitch. I mean, I love baseball. I played baseball, but I just know the nature of the sport where if you're looking for constant action, racing provides that constant action. What do you think it is that people who aren't willing to get into racing don't get? I know this is a very large and abstract question, but why is it so much easier for someone to say, I'm going to get into basketball than it is for someone to get into racing, if you had to guess? Uh, it's just popular culture. Um, everybody knows LeBron James. Everybody knows Kobe. Everybody knows Carmelo Anthony. It's no matter if you watch basketball or not. Like I have grandparents, they don't watch basketball, but if I say LeBron James, they know. Oh, LeBron pays for the Lakers. Even if you never watch a basketball game, you know because it's on your TV. It's on commercials. It's on. If um you go to the store, there's a LeBron James stand up with him advertising whatever company he's advertising those guys are in a bigger spotlight and a bigger market than what the racing market is. Um, I don't think racing is um, as as niche as it isn't, wasn't a pass. Obviously um, with guys like Earnhardt and Gordon making it more um, popular, it's more accessible and people know about it, but I feel like it's just um, traditionally football and basketball are king because um, they just, they're just known. And I think the sport we're doing a really good job now of like, taking advantage of the spotlight we've had this year and like introducing who our guys are and what we're about and what the sport's about. And I feel like we have to like keep that momentum going because um, it's hard. You're competing with these top sports and they got it. We have a lot of money behind us, but they have a ton of money behind them and they know what works and know, and they know what, what doesn't. So we have to figure out what works. Yeah. I mean, at one point during the season, even my friends who couldn't give less of a shit about NASCAR were like, What's going on with Bubba Wallace? Because everyone heard about that story at one point in the season where that was a whirlwind of a two weeks. That was a really dramatic two weeks. Yeah. Um, um, at that point when the Bubba Wallace stuff happened, I was actually working for where he got to start, Rev Racing. Um, mm -hmm. I was doing social and PR for them. And um, they're obviously through NASCAR's Drive for Diversity program. And so when all that stuff was happening, we were starting to get some attention because they're asking like, well, how did Bubba get here? What did he do when you guys raced for them? But even stepping back from that, before even the Bubba stuff happened, when quarantine first started, they had the Kyle Larson incident. Yeah. And um, we had a whole lot of eyes on the sport, like, well, this is filling out the stereotype of the sport. Like, they're they're still stuck in the 60s and 70s, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And that couldn't be far from the truth. But um, Larson did definitely put his foot in his mouth and um, – set the sport back a little bit with those comments. But um, as bad as the Bubba incident was, I feel like that incident showed that there are plenty of great people in the sport and the sport doesn't 
reflect what it was in the past and where it came from. And now it's more of a thing of where um, we're making progress. We're trying to be more inclusive. I mean, I'm, I'm evidence of it. Like I work in NASCAR, I'm an African-American. Like that probably wasn't a thing 20 years ago, but now like I go to work and there's people that look like me in the office. There's people that look like me at the track doing different roles from social to um, track security to officials, just all types of roles. So it's, it's been good to see um, the sport evolve, but also it has showed me that there's still progress to be done. I mean, obviously working in social, I see comments and tweets all day long from all perspectives. So um, I'll look at a tweet and I'll start scrolling through the comments and I'm like, wow, we haven't progressed. But then I'll see people in the sport that like have influence and have power. Like we're not standing for this. And like, this is our sport. And like, we want to make progress. We want it to be comfortable for everybody. And I applaud the sport and I applaud the people in it for working to make that progress. I was talking about this with a few of my friends a couple of weeks ago when a few of the, the, um, the day the Bucks refused to play against the Magic in the playoffs. Hockey still played that day. And my friends were like, wow, they really don't get it. And I was like, yeah, NASCAR saw that one of their drivers was extremely uncomfortable and they did something about it. They stood up and said, you can't bring the Confederate flag to the track anymore. No, just zero tolerance. It's not okay. Then the stuff happened where they found that garage tie, Bubba getting lambasted by people who don't have anything better to do on the internet other than stir people up and try and agitate. Wasn't his fault, wasn't anything he did, but NASCAR stood behind him and did the right thing. NASCAR has done a lot in the last year to ingratiate itself with more people. And I think like you said before, it's all about growing the sport and getting new people interested in. People like Alvin Kamara getting involved. I remember he waved the checkered flag at what, Hempstead, I think? Or is that? Yeah, it was Homestead, Miami. It was, um, I think that was, yeah, it was Homestead. It was, it was, I think, one of the first races back. Yeah. He, yeah, he was in the flag stand. He was in a suite watching Bubba. Yeah. And um, he had um, got to see a unique perspective of NASCAR. And he's, then he came back for the all-star race. He waved the green flag at the all-star race at Bristol. Um, and he's talking about, he wants to come back. And we got guys like Bernard Pollard. We have um, Keenan Allen talking about wanting to come to a race next year. There's all types of guys that are trying to like get involved with the sport because they see that we want it. We want everybody. We don't care what you look like. We don't care sexual orientation, whatever you have going on. As long as you like, if you like things that go fast and you like action, we want you here. So I feel like um, it's been very good to see because, I mean, I've been at the track. I've seen Confederate flags. And I'm like, wow, like, does nobody know that I'm here or, like, aware that, like, it's just not them here. But um, it's been great to see. It's been great to feel wanted. Um, I applaud guys, especially Steve Phelps at the head of the company. He's been very vocal about what's going on. Um, Jimmy Johnson organizing all the drivers for the Bubba thing. Dale Jr. being involved on social media and speaking out on his podcast about stuff. It takes a village to make the progress. And I feel like our village is strong. And I feel like um, progress is going to continue to get made. I mean, I feel like the role I have in the sport is important. Um, I know sometimes I make cat like hip hop references on social just because like I want people to know that we're just not the NASCAR of the 1940s and 50s. Like we hear you, we see you, and we know that like, this sport is inclusive to all. Like, we're going to make country music reference, but we're also going to, like, say stuff about Roddy Rich and Instagram captions. Like, we want to, like, cover all the bases because we want everybody at the race. I I got to say, I, I see a lot of similarities in the racing, in the NASCAR community and the hockey community where the people who love it, love it, love it, and they feel like there's a finite amount of it for some reason – and they tend to gatekeep it and try and keep people who aren't as passionate about it out. Do you think that stems from it being so regional for so long, where it's so heavily concentrated in one part of the country that those people feel like it's part of who they are because it's so deeply ingrained in that culture? Yeah, I mean, even if you look at the numbers, um, our biggest TV markets still are Charlotte, Indianapolis, I think Tennessee, um, Daytona, obviously, and then I think Texas is the fifth biggest market. Like, 
it's the South in Indiana, which is obviously Indiana's like racing capital of the world. So um, the other areas like the Northeast, like it's only one, tr two tracks, Pocono and Watkins Glen that we go. And then most of our tracks we race, they're in the South. We go out West for three weeks of the season. There's a 36 race schedule, four weeks, if you include the championship, like all of, we're concentrated in one area and we have to do a better job of reaching out to those fans that live in middle America that don't get to see us every time. Um, um, personally, I don't know if this could get me in trouble or not. I feel like we're missing big, um, not going to Iowa. Like Iowa's a very nice facility. They have some of the best fans I've seen. Um, it's just a good area to like spread what NASCAR is about. Um, we need those markets to be alive because, um, we're so concentrated in the area and the South is great. I love the South. I live down here now, but um, if we're talking about growth of the sport, we need to be spread all across the country and not in just one concentrated area. Now that we've covered the serious stuff, I do want to talk about the fun stuff. What's it like being on the, tr at the track on race day? How awesome is that feeling? Uh, well, I can't say as a new NASCAR employee much because I haven't been to the track yet because of COVID, but in my past experiences in um, social and PR roles for other um, companies and series and things of that nature, um, being at the track is a whirlwind. Um, I know usually in my days, I'm one of the first people to the track and I'm usually one of the last people to leave. But everything in between that is from, you're like getting B-roll for a social video, you're getting um, driver interviews, you're getting um, photos of the track, you're, it is a whirlwind, like, and then green flag is honestly the time where you kind of get to rest a little bit. <laughs> like everything before that, you're, you're trying to find this, you're trying to find this drive. You're trying to get a video of him talking about the race. You're trying to get photos of the cars on the grid. And then once the flag goes green, you take a little break and then you go back on the track and take pictures of the cars, taking pictures of the pit stops. I mean, when I tell you like the sensory overload of being at a racetrack, uh, you get it all because you're you're getting the side of the car. You're getting the sound it is one of the things like you will not forget is the first time you're up close to a race engine. Um, you're getting a vibration like your whole body shakes when the car goes by. Um, you smell you smell the fumes of the, the tires burning, the fuel. Um, you can even sometimes literally taste it. It's um, it's one of the craziest experiences. I mean, um, I'm addicted to it. Like every time I can go to a racetrack, even if it's an off weekend, I'll be like, Hey, you guys need an extra person at the track. Cause <laughs> I enjoy being at the track. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, I love my job. I love doing social, but I'd rather be doing social at the track than doing social at home because there's no experience in like, like being at the track and being able to share that experience on show social is so important. I feel like that's a way for us to grow the audience because there's times where, we take our phones and we put it right by where the car is going by on the fence and you can hear it through your phone and you can feel how loud it is and um, just how intense and how quick the car goes by. And that makes you like, I want to see that. So um, I love being the track. It's the culture at the track. Like there's just a buzz in the garage area. Like everybody's moving a thousand miles an hour. They're, they're prepping the car. They're warming the car up. They're, they're in the garage testing the engine. They're revving it up to make sure everything's working properly. I mean, guys are cracking jokes or just sitting around. It's like anything you could possibly look for at a track you could get, and I love it. I think that's something that's very important that people who aren't exposed to the NASCAR culture don't get is it's just like college football. Everyone is there at the track as a spectator to have fun. They're there extremely early to tailgate. They're there to cook. They're there to see their friends. They want to hang out. And then they get to sit down and just, they get to soak it all in. Because the experience is what makes racing racing. I think that's the hardest thing that trans that doesn't translate to the people who aren't as into the strategy and was well on TV. I think TV does as well as they can because, of course, there's it's pretty hard to simulate a car going by 200 miles an hour. 10 feet in front of you. you like you said the ground shakes you smell the burning rubber that kind of stuff is hard to convey to people who haven't experienced it god willing this pandemic gets under control supposed to go to daytona in february we'll see if that happens hopefully everything goes well 
we can go and have a normal NASCAR season next year. Three months away, there's time for things to get under control, hopefully. Uh, I'm crossing my fingers because I like I've personally never been to Daytona. I've been up, I think, 15 to 20 tracks, but not Daytona. And I want to work my first Daytona 500 from at the track. But um, obviously, everybody's health is a little more important than that. And we'll definitely like take that um, into consideration before we make any decisions. But yeah, like that at track experience, I feel like convert so many people to the sport even not even just diehards just casual like yeah hey that was fun i want to go back soon like when do they come back or do they come back next year i want to go again like there are so many people that i've come in contact with in my life where like i actually have fun at the track like i would go again like it was because usually at racetracks food is cheap you could most times you could bring your own cooler so you bring your own cooler you got whatever drinks you want whatever food you want you hang out all day chilling the bleachers i mean all you do is pay for your ticket and if you're um, from out of town your hotel and that's your weekend you get races all from friday to sunday you get um there's fan access to drivers there's autograph sessions there's giveaways there's all types of things going on it's it's a circus and then it just happens to be a, a race at the end of the circus that's a good way to describe it because it is just traveling from city to city week to week. And then they don't come back till the following year. So traveling circus is a good way to describe it. Oh yeah. I mean, um, all my buddies and people I know are like, yeah, I'm going on vacation, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, my vacation sitting at home because in a regular race season, I'm on a plane every other week. Yeah. Sometimes three weeks in a row where I come home on a Sunday night or a Monday morning and I'm, they're Monday to Wednesday and then I'm back on a plane Thursday and rinse and repeat. So um, it's a grind. I love the grind, but when I do have my spare time, I just want to sit down and play video games and not move. So I know you've been getting into iRacing lately. Cause I keep seeing, I keep seeing the posts on Instagram and Twitter. Explain to people who don't, who aren't familiar with what iRacing is a little bit about what, what goes into it. Uh, iRacing is a simulation. Um, provided by a service that is probably as close as you can get to being a race car driver that the common person can get. Um, depending on what your budget is, you can have an iRacing set up for about four to 500 bucks. You get you a, a decent PC that can run in graphics, um, a steering wheel and pedals and a decent internet connection and you're ready to go. Um, you start off kind of just like the old NASCAR games. You start off in a street stock. So all you have to do is run the street stock and not get in the wrecks with people and your um, safety rating, your I rating keeps going up and you start progressively moving up through the ranks up until you're running the cup cars or you're running formula one cars, you're running any They have almost every car that's been ran like in racing history on the service. And um, you're able to compete with professional drivers. I've been to lobbies with Dale Jr., Bobby Labonte, um, Tony Kanaan, like, Real drivers use this as a tool when they're not in the car to learn the track, learn where the breaking points are, learn where they could get back in the gas at, learn where to slow down to get on pit road, um, how the draft works at a certain track. So it's it's not it's not a video game, I would say. It's far from a video game. Um, I take it very seriously because um You have to. You have to, first of all, because it's professionals on there, but um they make you use your real name. So <laughs> you can't just wreck somebody and then think nobody's going to search my name and not find me on Twitter and send me hate. <laughs> so I try and take it seriously and um, race hard, but also race people clean. I've obviously been in dust-ups and it happens, but um, it's one of the craziest things. And I feel like that's another way people could get into the um, sport. Actually, um, working with Rev, we had a driver, Raja Karuth, where he started his racing career in iRacing. Um he had, I think, 100 or so wins in iRacing in, like, the top split, um, the A-class guys. And he, um, he ended up getting in contact with Rev and getting a tryout. And then he killed the tryout. And then he raced Legends for a year. And now he's racing late models. And he's winning on a late model. Um, and he's only been racing a car for a year. That's, that's awesome. That It's not like I could just sit here playing Madden for a couple of weeks and then be like, the Giants should try me out. I'm going to play quarterback for the Giants. That's awesome. That's so cool to think about because I enjoy 
racing games, like I I played so much of Heat Five when it came out because it came out during that dead point of the summer. And yep. the amount of lobbies I went into where it was just people driving backwards on purpose, people driving the wrong way, people intentionally causing wrecks, people actually taking it seriously and like actually trying to race would be very fun. Yeah. Um I was lucky enough where um, before I had iRacing, I did play NAS- the NASCAR Heat Series, and I had four. And I ended up finding a Facebook group um, randomly <laughs> where they had a um, private league, and I would race the private league um, on Wednesday nights. Um, and we raced basically the full cup schedule, and we run running at 50%, and that would take up my whole Wednesday night. But <laughs> it was fun to have a clean race because if you get in those random lobbies, um, most times you don't make it into turn one. <laughs> It was like the when the Xfinity series ran the uh, Daytona Roval, where they yeah. all went into turn one full send and just hit the tire barrier. Yeah, those those lobbies are, man. Um, <laughs> I I won't say that I haven't sent any angry messages to people because of NASCAR <laughs> heat, but yeah, it's it's very refreshing to get on iRacing and be able to make it through um, 40, 50 laps and not have to like avoid anybody. You could just learn learn to track and learn, okay, I'm faster here, or I need to get back on the gas quicker, or I need to let off early and get back in the gas at the apex. There's, it's so realistic. Um, when I talk to other drivers, I'm like, hey, when I'm driving at this track, this is happening. They're like, okay, well, instead of driving it in so deep, you let off way before the corner, and you roll the center, and you get back in the gas, and you get way more speed coming off the corner. And then I go and try it. I'm like, wow, that worked. those guys have raced the tracks in real life and it's so realistic they have like they scan the tracks before they even put them in the game so i remember this year for the dirt racing for um the chili bowl that the it was something wrong with the track in real life and so they went back to the data that they had from iRacing to fix the track like that's how accurate these tracks are on iRacing so i feel like it's one a useful simulation for fans but it's a great tool for the drivers because um, especially with COVID, they're not able to test. So it's very common to get in the lobby and see a pro guy or an Xfinity guy, a cup guy racing, trying to get as much repetitions as they can in the off season. So I'm going to open this up to more of a general Q and A and just me poking your brain, racing stuff. What are your favorite tracks just to watch? Uh, my favorite tracks to watch. Um, I'm going to try and not be biased and say Indy because I've been in so many brickyards, but outside of Indy, I, I love Bristol, obviously. Oh, yeah. Bristol, love me short track. Um, even though Cup doesn't go here and um, NASCAR's not going here next year, like I said, I love Iowa. That place, they say it's the world's fastest short track, and I believe it. Like, those guys are full sin, and it's a um, three-fourths of a mile track. Iowa's fun. I've been to Auto Club. Seeing those guys go on the turn one full scene is crazy entertaining. And then um, I feel like my best experience at a track was Talladega. Please explain. The floor is yours. Uh, I don't know how deep, I, deeply I could go into the activity <laughs> after the racing, but um, <laughs> there's nothing like on a race day um, here in Sweet Home, Alabama, and that big rig with the American flag going past and everybody just yelling like that since – I've been to I've been to the big house for college football. I've been to um, Ohio State, the Horseshoe. I've been to Oklahoma State, but like, there's nothing like a hundred thousand race fans in that big, big rig with the flag on it and Sweet Home Alabama blaring. I feel like it's a religious experience. So it's definitely I can't wait to go back because I definitely missed going this year. That was probably one of my favorite racing experiences. That was an incredible race this year. Yeah, that, that came that that was Stenhouse and Blaney by about a hood length, not even a hood length, yeah, like maybe a foot. That was insane. Yep, and he doored him. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. most. Co- oh, go ahead. Yeah, he doored him some decent, but um, that's the product of the. I feel like play races are always like that. And yeah. Like with the current cars, those those cars get such big runs, where they can't get away from each other, and it's just so entertaining to watch. Yeah. The most common question I've gotten from all of my friends is, how do you pick your dri- your favorite driver? What would you say to someone 
who wants to get into it but doesn't know who to root for? Um, it's all what you're looking for in a sport. Um, I know a lot of people will get in and just want somebody that's entertaining. And mm-hmm. I know Clint Boyer just retired, but like I said, Bubba Wallace, he's so fun to listen to on the radio. Um, I'm trying to think who else is fun on the radio. Um, hmm. Kyle's funny. He's a bit of an acquired taste. You have to get Kyle. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle Bush, like if you like a guy that's really successful, he, he's the guy you probably want to um, listen to, but also – Angry Kyle Bush is a lot to take in, um, especially if his car's not running right. It's, he, you're liable to hear anything on the radio, and you just kind of got to be aware of what's going on. So, yeah, Kyle Bush, Bubba Wallace. Um, I would say older um, Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick's so much calmer now, but he used to be a firecracker on the radio. Angry guys on the radio is probably the best content. It's great. I mean – Kyle's funny because he'll be like, the car's dead. I got nothing. And then he'll run the rest of the race and finish in eighth. It's one of those things where they just, he expects so much from his car every week and because he wants to win every single week. And the meltdowns are entertaining. Oh, 1,000%. Yeah. So favorite tracks, favorite drivers. Hmm. If I told you, you could do any one thing. I put you in charge of NASCAR for one day. You can do any one thing. What would you want to do? Um, get rid of that big blade on the back of the car and add some horsepower back to the cars. So for the people who don't understand the downforce versus horsepower, can you give the basic synopsis? Because I got it, but it took me a little while and a lot of Wikipedia ink to understand the difference. Can you give us as easy an explanation as you can? Um, downforce helps the car have, okay, so there's air, right? We all know know what air is. So like when you're running, you feel the air like pushing against you. Well, in a race car, they're designed where instead of it pushing against you per se, it pushes your car down. And when the car is lower, it helps the car go faster. And so with this big wing, it helps cut through the air and gives the car more grip, but it makes the car easier to drive. So with them adding this big blade and taking away the horsepower, these cars are very drivable. And usually whoever is running up front, it's hard for them to lose position because they have so much grip and the cars behind them have more turbulent air from said spoiler. So it's hard for the cars behind to pass. That was a great explanation. Yeah, um, that my six mechanical engineering um, credits that I never used from college came into play right there. <laughs> yeah, because I, because one of the things as inclined to do as someone is when they're trying to learn stuff about something is going down the YouTube hole, and I really quickly noticed the difference of NASCAR of the last like two three years as opposed to what I remember as a kid where the cars just went faster back then. They oh, were they had nine hundred horsepower, I believe. Yeah, something like that. Whereas opposed to now, it's like what seven five fifty, depending the on the track. Seven hundred, seven hundred and fifty for the mile and a half. They have different um packages for different tracks, but for the mile and a half tracks, they have seven hundred and fifty. For the smaller, no, for the smaller short track, they have seven hundred and fifties. For the mile and a half, they have five fifty. Yeah. So they take a away horsepower on the bigger tracks, and it's just. Yeah, it's it's different, I will say. Um, it's, it's, it's not the NASCAR that I grew up on personally. Yeah, it's a different strategy. I mean, the next-gen car got pushed back until, what, 2022, I believe, is what I saw? Yeah. Yeah. It was supposed to be next year, but because of all the um, COVID deals, um, it ended up being a casualty of war, per se. But actually, there's a test in Charlotte next week for the next-gen car, and the media is open, too, so I'm interested to see what their um, perspective will be on what's gonna be about this next gen car it looks great it does I, look cool i haven't seen seen a car look like a real car in a, in a long time so i'm excited to see how it turns out and if it produces better racing so i wanted to round back or circle back around and ask generally what's it like being a fan of the place where you work at 
um it's a dream come true but also like it's so hard to like <laughs> sometimes like temper yourself and not be excited because like I've been like working exciting races like um Talladega and things of that nature and I get hyped and I realize I gotta post that <laughs> like I just can't like take it in I'm, I don't have time to take it in because there's people who aren't watching the race that need me to post what happened in the race so we could um so we could get the news out and get them informed on what happened in the race so it's very difficult at times and sometimes I I see like if Bubba takes the lead at Talladega or Daytona, I get excited and I'm like, wait, I can't post as a fan. I'm posting as a person who works for an organization that represents the bigger picture. So I have to call it down the middle. I have to like be impartial. If a guy wrecks a guy, a certain guy, I have to phrase it certain ways. So I, I don't seem impartial to what's going on. Yeah. I mean, I, there were what, like 10, 15 to go at Daytona when Bubba was in front and then Joey doored him. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I was off that weekend, um, <laughs> luckily. So I was sitting there with my girlfriend watching it, and I, I'm jumping up and down, and I'm so excited. I'm like, I wouldn't be able to work right now because <laughs> um, I would be too excited. And usually I'm running, like, the Twitter and Instagram. I mean, the Facebook and Instagram on race day. So if something like that's happening, I got to get it out as soon as it happens. If I'm jumping up and down or watching the race, I'm not posting. What goes into making your content? What specifically are you looking for during a race to be like, oh, wait, that's funny. I need to use that. Um, if we're doing like funny content, um, it depends on what it is. Um, we try and be a little more careful about it. But um, if we're just doing like calling like exciting plays, we try and not oversaturate the timeline, especially like on Facebook and Instagram because um, you don't want to post every single thing that happens in a race because you obviously want people to watch the race. But we try and, like, if there's a wreck, if two guys get into it, we try and post those things because we want to show the emotion of the drivers. We want to show the excitement. We want to show, like, what's going on in the sport. But we try not to give too much of away. No, definitely, definitely. It's a fine line. There are some league Twitter accounts that are very bad where – they're posting highlights from the first quarter of a game three days after the game is over. And it's just kind of like, we're, you're still paying to promote that? That game happened three days ago. Whereas I really got to say, I know NASCAR is doing better because my friends who don't follow NASCAR occasionally are popping in tweets from the social or the Instagram into the group chat because they're just funny. That's what we want from our social channels. At the end of the day, we want to see funny things. We want to see crazy things. And I think that's something NASCAR can tap into because of the nature of the sport is it is insane that they are driving 200 miles an hour next to each other for three and a half hours. Yeah. I mean, when we, we have weekly meetings where we're like, Hey, like what's going on in the world? They like outside of the NASCAR world. Like how can we take what's happening outside of the NASCAR world and apply it to what's going on? So we're very aware of like what's going on that it's just not our sport. Like, like I said earlier, like we're trying to make it for everybody. So we try and keep people aware of what's going on and um, that we know that like, there's a bigger world out there. Like I've done what we call reactive content. Like I made a video for among us. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Yeah. That was funny. Um, the guys after the robo getting eliminated from the playoffs or we do like stranger things video. We do SpongeBob memes. Like, the SpongeBob try, memes are popular. Yeah, we try and we try and do everything that applies to our sport, but also applies to everyday life and applies to fans on on a um, thing outside of the sport where they can relate to. So we try and be as relatable as we can be while also being relevant to our core fan group. Growing a sport is hard. There, it, it just flat out. As someone who's into hockey and NASCAR, it's very hard to get people who aren't already invested in to give it a chance. And it's a shame because we love this thing so much. Don't you want to see what we love so much? This is yeah. our child. We love yeah, this like thing. converting people to like um, Scientology. <laughs> I, they probably, they're like, hey, our religion is great. Come join us. And, like, ah. and you just kind of keep pushing on. Yeah, it's fun. I got to say, I didn't think I was going to, 
get into NASCAR this year. If you had told me in January I'd be doing research on the differences between the next-gen car and the current car on a random Tuesday in November, I would have looked at you like you had six heads. But I got to say, I feel like I had a better year as bad as this year was because I had NASCAR every week, or in some cases when early, right after the break. We had it twice a week, which was awesome. Where was we'd have week at one point, like, I, I got hired on um, around the halfway part of the season, and we're doing two, three races a week. I remember at one point we raced on Sunday – I think it was New Hampshire, and then the weekend after that, we had two races at Michigan. Yeah. We're doing, like, three races in a seven-day period. Amazing. It, it really is – I wish more people could love it. That's my biggest complaint. I just wish more people would love give it a chance because if you give it a chance, it is so fun. It's the one sport where the people involved actually show their personalities, where the characters – the drivers are characters and you know it's not scripted they're gonna go and if they get mad they're gonna get mad it's they're gonna fight they're gonna wreck each other tell each other off in interviews they're gonna scream on the radio and it's also accessible yeah it's a sport that translates well to social media because you can see the big clips and that's one thing that it has an advantage as opposed to some of the other sports is you can submit you can surmise a race and minute and a half of highlights and you get the gist of it where okay i missed the race today what can i see you check in you see a radioactive on wednesday you see what that is okay i get the gist of it i know what happened i just wanted to ask you one last thing before i let you go back to searching for ps5s like the rest of us or in some cases an xbox series x if you're more inclined to that direction what's the best part of your job um, I feel like the best part of my job, in a way, is freedom. Like, I won't say, like, there's always bad ideas, but, like, there are very few I- bad ideas that, like, for us, like, we'll be like, hey, I want to do this, and my boss is like, all right, well, work on it, and then show me what you got at the end. So, like, that Among Us video, like, that was literally, like, he, he just believed in me, because, like, he didn't know what the game was. Like, I'm like, hey, just trust me on this. So I worked on it all week. And then after the checker flag, he's like, hey, what is this video going to look like? And so then I finally sent it to him. He's like, wait, that, I love it. That's awesome. So, like, I have the creative, like, I have full creative openness to do what I want. Um, I have people that believe in me. I have so many tools and things to my disposal. I have access to a whole lot of people that um, I wouldn't otherwise have access to. And I work with some of the most talented people in the world, like my coworkers. Like that Among Us video is funny and cool or whatever, but like some of the stuff they do with video and photo, like I stand in all my, how did you do that? Because I have no idea how you did it, but it looks cool. So um, I feel like it's just a blessing overall to like work in a place where I'm pushed every day to like be my best and put out my best every day. Yeah. As someone who struggled through four years of journalism school and is not great with a camera, I can definitely understand what the, how did you do that type feeling? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a journalist by trade and um, I self-taught myself through college how to use a camera. Yeah. Um, and I just through repetition and experimenting, like I've done enough where um, I've had stuff obviously posted on NASCAR socials and other series socials and stuff like that but that is one of the steepest learning curves is photography and video all that stuff is just one big puzzle piece and you got a thousand pieces to put together and it's crazy like when you're filming or taking pictures like you could be taking a picture one moment then the sun goes away and then you're like wait i'm screwed i gotta change all my settings around so yes it's definitely such a steep learning curve, but once you get it, um, then you start getting into the deeper stuff of like, how do I make this car look like this? Or how do I make it blur and things of that nature? And it is, I feel like it's the biggest adventure adventure and it's fun, but it will drive you nuts. This was so much fun. I love having people to talk about racing with because I have so few friends who talk about racing. Where can people, Oh, go ahead. I got to get more into hockey too. Like, um, I know the closest team to me was the Blackhawks. And, like, when they were good, I was, like, watching it. But, um, but um, yeah, it's hard because 
like I said, it's not a lot of black people in hockey. So I see um, Patrick Subban and a couple other guys, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. They play hockey. And then, like, it gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Like, it's on the same level for soccer for me. Like, if it's on, I'll watch it. But I, it's never like, I got to watch the hockey game. I got to watch the soccer game. Like, I think I watched two games of the Stanley Cup finals. I watched the Lightning win it. Um, I remember watching one of the games that, like, went in the deep into overtime. So it's exciting when I do watch it, but I don't know the rules. We'll take care of that. We'll take care of that. I got you. Between you and Tony X, I need you guys to explain to me what hockey is. We got you. You, If you're in North Carolina, the Hurricanes are young. They're exciting. You'll When society is back to normal, you'd probably have a lot of fun at a Hurricanes game. We'll, we'll take care of that. We'll get you a little more invested in hockey. Once you I'll get a little... Have a little more fun with the Hurricanes than I do the um, Hornets. So I'll, <laughs> I'll definitely be tuning in and buying some Hurricanes tickets. If you see Mike at the track, let me know. Oh, 100%. Yeah, we definitely got to get you to um, some tracks next season. Um, my, goal, my goal is to do Daytona in February and then either Pocono or Watkins Glen, depending on what's accessible and what states are allowing to happen that's well, my plan by the time Watkins Glen comes around it'll be somewhat clear yeah we'll be able to get you to Watkins Glen and get you in the pits and get you in the infield I'll die man that's one of those things where I've never been to a race so I'm just trying to I'm trying to picture being seven years old the first time going to a baseball game or a hockey game and that's just so far removed from my memory that it's hard to imagine what it'd be like experiencing after the first time. So knock on wood, I'm hoping I get that feeling at Daytona come February. Oh, I'm telling you, um, when you walk, when you walk on that campus, like I've heard it, it just changes you. It's so huge. I went on the tour of the track as like an eight year old because we were on family vacation, we went to Disney World, and that was just something to do on one of the days we were at Disney World. And I just remember being like, looking around all around me. I remember sitting on a golf cart going the entire length of the track the way around and being like, this is taking forever. This is really far. Yeah. And now as an adult, I'd really get to appreciate it. So let, let's all, you know, wash our hands, put on a mask, bare minimum, please. Do, do whatever it takes so I can go do my job better so you can see better content because as great content that we're doing from home, it'll be a thousand times better if we're able to go to the track next season. So help me help you help us. It's a good way to put it. Where can people find your work? Uh, or if you want to see me be annoying and clog your timeline, you can follow me on Twitter at Dontre Graves is just my name, D-O-N-T-R-E-G-R-A-V-E-S. If you follow me 90% of the time, unless um, you look like um, you're a recent bot on Twitter, I'll follow you back. Um, same for Instagram is my name and the number 42. And um, yeah, don't add me on Facebook because that's my private realm. <laughs> that's my one place of secrecy, even though I don't use it very frequently because I hate Facebook. So, yeah, don't add me on Facebook. But yeah, Facebook and, I mean, Twitter and Instagram, go ahead and hit the follow button and I'll follow you back. And we could talk about crappy memes on the timeline or how much I hate Sony for putting me through emotional trauma of trying to get this $500 system or whatever's going on in the world that day because um, I tweet like I'm not employed by a major conglomerate. <laughs> my paychecks. So, yeah, follow me and we'll have some fun. I will have you back on at some point before before race season. Maybe if we find out when hockey's coming back, I can do a explaining hockey and we're going to talk about the Hurricanes. We could do that. Or if hockey doesn't come back till close to Daytona, we'll have a little NASCAR season preview, exciting things to look forward to, things of that nature. Yeah, definitely. And we could catch up on like all the driver moves and all that good stuff and get you filled in on what's going on and what I think is going to happen. Absolutely, my man. Thank you so much for coming on. It's Thank nice you. having people who want to talk. Yeah, I'm, I have nothing better better to do um, on my day off. Um, well, I guess I'm catching a flight in a couple hours, but like, I have nothing else better to do. Word. All right, people out there. Uh, yeah, leave us a review. Leave us five stars. Write a comment. 
if you think the NASCAR social team is funny, let them know. They'd appreciate it. Oh, yeah, we we, we love those. E- we've gotten emails from fans. I don't know how they get our emails, but <laughs> fans telling them, telling us that we they enjoy our content. But we also get con- we get random emails. I got a random email like two weeks ago about why a caution was thrown out in the middle of the race. And I'm like, I don't work in competition, sir. And I don't know how you got my email, but yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. a good note. Yeah, please email me positive affirmations because I need it sometimes. Everyone likes compliments. That's all I'm going to say. I can leave the episode ending on that. Send someone a compliment today. <laughs>